the day we celebrate Memorial Day, which is tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, a lot of people are looking for it, as well as myself, maybe lighting up the barbecue pit and uh, cooking up something or other, or just playing out, kicking back and meditating a while, you know, with them when we take our naps and stuff, a, a quiet day. Sometimes we even forget about what Memorial Day is all about. For America, there's much that we can remember. For all the men and women through the years that have paid the ultimate price uh, with their life, that we can have freedom today to come to church and worship the Lord without anybody telling us how to do it, and why we can't do it, and so on and so forth. We have the freedom to do that today. We also have the freedom for some of us to stay at home today and to do what we feel like doing. That's America because people have paid the price, been great heroes or, or they've been examples for us and so we can remember that. And this morning to start with, I thought it was fitting. I wanted to, I didn't know what Jeff and would have up here on the screen so I didn't see anything. So I want to share a story with you. Uh, to start with, I think it's fitting that we think about this. World War II produced heroes or champions. One such man was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hara. He was a fighter pilot signed to an aircraft carrier, Lexton, in the South Pacific. One day his entire squadron was sent on a mission, and after he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realized that someone forgot to top off his tank, and he would not have enough fuel to complete his mission and get back to the ship. His flight leader told him to turn around and come back to the carrier. Now, you have to get the picture of this. That all the planes that were on the carrier were sent away to go do something, and there was none left there to protect the fleet. And so, but on, he was told to turn around and come back. And as he was returning to the mothership, he saw something that turned his blood cold, the writer puts it. He said a squadron of Japanese aircraft were speeding their way toward the American ship fleet. The American fighters were gone on their mission, and the fleet was defenseless in the air. And he couldn't reach the squadron to bring them back in time to save the fleet, nor could he warn the fleet of the approaching danger. So there was only one thing to do. He must somehow divert the them from the fleet. Laying aside all thoughts of personal safety, he dove into the formation of the Japanese uh, planes. His wing-mounted 50 caliber blazed as he charged, attacking one surprised plane and then the other, it says. Butch wove in and out of the broken formation and fired at as many planes as possible until his ammunition finally ran out. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove into planes trying to clip the wing or tail in hopes of damaging as the enemy planes possibly and rendered them uh, unfit to fly. Finally, the aspirated Japanese squadron looked or took off to in another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hara and his battered flight uh, uh, fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported and related the event. The film from the gun camera mounted on the plane told the tale. 
It showed the extent of Bush's daring attempt to protect the fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five aircraft, damaged others. This took place on February the 20th, 1942. And for that action, Butch became the Navy's first ace pilot, the first naval aviator, aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. And a year later, Butch was killed in an aerial combat. His hometown, though, would not allow the memory of this World War II hero to fade into that, onto that today. And the proof of that is O'Hara Airport in Chicago is named in tribute of this courageous fighter. America has had untold numbers of people that have been champions for we in America. And men and women with a heart like that is why we can gather together and worship the Lord like we get to today. And yet many of us sometimes we forget. Memorial Day is the time that we take to remember those good things. And now off that I want to talk to you about what I believe is four great memorials to remember as a Christian or as a person that loves God. Two of them come from the Old Testament, and I'm going to try to bring the other two out of the New Testament, so bear with me this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you not in chronological order, but as a, and I have a reason for that, but I, I want to remind you this morning, first off, of uh, the children as they come out of bondage. Moses has turned the sepulcher over uh, to another to lead. And as he begins to lead, Joshua tells them what to do. They're getting ready to cross the river of Jordan. And Joshua tells the priest, as they get down the river of Jordan, see, just across the Jordan on the other side, uh, uh, it makes a whole turnaround. They go into the promised land. And, and he tells the priest to step down, to take the Ark of the Covenant and step down into the water. And the minute they put their foot down and touch the water, the waters begin to stop flowing. Now, we know that they'd already crossed the sea. But there's something different about this. It hits me that way anyway, because the sea wasn't moving but the, if anybody's been around a river, you know there's continuous water coming down. And so when they put their foot in the water because of obedience, God stopped the water from flowing. He began to back up. And they walked across on dry ground to the other side. Then Joshua tells them what's amazing. God, Joshua tells them uh, to get a man out of each tribe and to take and go out in the middle of the river where the priest had been standing after they got out there and pick up a stone and bring it out. And they brought a stone out and they built a heap of rocks there and they called that a memorial, a place to remember. And memorials are something that we 
uh, remember something that's happened in our life. Uh, uh, and basically, it ought to be something really that, that's extraordinary. And everything God's done for me has been extraordinary. But, but we need to remember uh, what he said to us and what he's done. And, and this picture of this here, uh, Joshua tells him when he's asked, what's it for? And he said, this is so you can tell your children on down the road of life, he's saying. You can tell them what this meant and how God stopped the river from flowing where we could walk across on dry ground. And I begin to read that and I begin to think about it. And it really blessed me because uh, uh, it, it made me think, you know, God wants us to take and he wants us to, to just not remember something to ourselves and keep it to ourselves, but he wants us to spread the good news. And so he's telling them here, uh, 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 remind your children. I got something else out of that. You see, you, you won't remind your children unless it means something to you. And so they begin to remind their children, and, and that became a memorial, and it's a memorial forever, I guess, as long as uh, uh, the world stands. That place they'll remember is taught the children, the Jewish children, but uh, uh, that's one memorial. They remember, they put the rocks, they remember how God moved from the cross there. If you can just imagine the river, when it stopped, it just began to back up and the banks begin to move out as it backs up until they got across. And then everything goes back like it was. Now, that, that is the first one I, I wanted to share with you this morning that, that hit me, but there's another one also. This happens before that particular time. And so as I read that, I began to think that shouldn't have been a, a great thing to them to know that God would do that. They, they should have been ready and, and raring to go because it hadn't been too long back in the, the way that to God had parted the waters at the sea. But thinking and looking back in the scripture, I've seen that as they came out of Egypt and began to go out in the wilderness, that's why they spent 40 years in the wilderness. They forgot what God had done. They begin to mumble and complain. Uh, they, they got tired of walking. They got tired of this and tired of that. They even complained about the food uh, that was being given to them. And see, so it's so easy for us to complain sometimes. But getting back to, to the uh, memorial, uh, uh, the feast of the Passover that the Jews keep. Uh, the people of Israel had been uh, sojourners or slaves in Egypt for over 40 years total time they was there. Then God called Moses and said to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and say to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh represents sin. He said, say to Pharaoh, let the people go. Moses listened to God and did as God told him, but Pharaoh refused to listen. So God enforces his demand. He sends plagues upon the land and and, and in the midst of the plagues, when the plagues were at their worst point, Pharaoh would say, okay, uh, uh, you can go, you can go. And then uh, when he got ready to go, he'd change his mind and, and he'd renege on what he said and he wouldn't want them to go. And finally, finally God got tired of that and, and he sent Moses back to them. And Moses tells the Egyptian officials, he says, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I'll go throughout Egypt. 
And every firstborn of Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand meal. And all the firstborn of the cattle, they're going to die is what he's saying. This will be a, there will be a loud wailing throughout all Egypt, worse than there's ever been or ever will ever be again. But among the Israelites, and I, I, when I was reading it, I caught this something. I want you to hear it, saint. He said, but amongst the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. You know, and, and, and animals, they're not quiet when something's going to happen. If there's going to be an earthquake, the birds in the area will flutter and move. The dogs will start barking sometimes. They have a sensitiveness about them. But when I read this, I got to thinking, and it wasn't just being sensitive, but it was a reverence that put a, God put a hush on everything, even the dogs. The Egyptians, they were wailing. Then God gave the instructions to the Israelites after this happens. God gives instructions to the Israelites. Each family, he says, is to choose a year-old lamb. And when he said choose a year-old lamb, he's given specific instructions. It's what to do, much like he's told us what to do. He says, I want you to choose. And see, we get to choose. We've always got to choose. God's always made it so as I can choose whether I want to serve God or not, whether I want to listen or not. Everybody in this church sitting here this morning, you had the choice. You could choose to stay at home or get up and come to church. God gives us that choice, and he's never taken it away from us. And so he says, each family, I want you to choose a year-old lamb. And he says, one without spot or blemish. God is so serious about what he says. Looking all the way back over to Genesis, you find out that God always honors the best. And he, he hadn't changed today. And when we give a sacrifice to God, God don't want a mediocre sacrifice. He don't want your leftovers. He wants the best. He wants the best. And so we, we read that. And as we read that, we look a little further. Said, the best of the flock. God's always wanted that. God deserves the best. God told them to kill the lamb. The instructions were just how to do it. He tells them everything because something's going to happen. He said, kill the lamb and drain its blood into a basin. Then roast the lamb. But before you eat, he says, take, he says, a bunch of hyssop. And dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood atop of the doorpost and on each side. Just think about that a minute. Every household of the Jewish family, that's what he asked them to do. And now they had a choice. They didn't have to do that. If they didn't want to believe that God was going to do something powerful that night, they had the choice. They didn't have to put that over the post or down the side. That was pure an act of faith out of obedience for what God is saying. But they, 
They was instructed to do that. And when he goes on, oh, hallelujah. Hmm. That's the principle. It's obedience. Let me, let me get back to this. God told him, to, he said, when you kill it, do this. Before you eat, put blood over the top of the post on each side. I want you to hold on to that. And, and on the same night, he said, I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, uh, uh, both men and animals, and I'll bring judgment upon the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And this is the key verse. He said, the blood will be a sign, a sign for you on the houses where you are. The blood will be a sign, he said. And he says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. I'll pass over that house. No destruction plague will be on you. And, and then he goes on and he goes a little further, but I want to stop there. You see, they, they, you see a type in the shadow of Jesus as you begin to look at this. God's looking for the blood over the doorpost. The doorpost is where, where you enter in and out of the house. The door swings on it. To go into the house, you've got to open the door. And so he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over that house. Next morning, things have happened. And Egypt's wanting them to leave. They've been set free as far as Egypt's concerned. 400 years in bondage and they were ready to be on their way. Jesus, or God said, this day you are to remember. For the generation to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Every service is supposed to be a service, a festival when they celebrate this Passover that, of Egypt, turn them loose. And so, uh, at over 300, 3,500 years have passed since that day, and every faithful year, Jews still celebrate and remember the Passover. Now I want to stop there a second. I want you to just think about that. It meant a lot to them. They still celebrate it. They still hold it on the fact that God brought them out of something and set them free. It didn't happen for many of them when they wanted it to happen, but it happened when God got ready for it to happen, you see. Uh, there is a memorial there dropping over in the New Testament that God wants you and I to remember. But there's also a, one other memorial. In John 5 and 2 and 8, then we see that in Jerusalem, by the sheep's gate, there's a pool. And there was a man there that, that was, he, he, he was crippled. He was paralyzed maybe in part of his body, but he was, uh, well, it, Scripture says he was paralyzed in several of the books. But he was crippled and he was lame, blind, or paralyzed, whatever you want to call it. There were many people there like that. But he had been there 38 years he had been in this condition. And he couldn't get into the water. He, he, every year when an angel come by and troubled it, uh, whoever got in the water first was the one that got healed of whatever was wrong with them. 
And I used to read the Bible before I went to Israel, and, and I thought, well, Lord, have mercy. I'd have just fell in. I wouldn't let somebody get a hold of me. See, sometimes when you hadn't been there, you don't, you don't know how to react to things. You, you think, but it's wrong thinking. And when I got to go to Israel, I found out it wasn't as easy to get in to the pool of Bethesda as you might think. This pool had five porches around it and it was all kind of lame people laying around. And when I was there, there was a stairway that went down around over into the pool. And so it would have been almost impossible to do like I thought I could do, just fall into it. Especially if I'm laying on a, a, a pad or something other, David, and can't get up and get around. If I was a man stand up, you look young like you, I might have jumped over the fence and jumped in. Now, I don't know, God would probably have had to resurrect me if I'd have done that, but, because, and he's able to do that. But, but that's why a lot of people didn't get in. See, they needed some help somebody. There's always somebody there that just had a lesser ailment, and they was able to get in before he could get in. But after th those 38 years, Jesus comes by. Now, he hadn't been crucified yet. He comes by. And he talks to him. And the man tells him that he don't have anybody to help him in. Jesus wanted to know if he wanted to get well. Naturally, he did. And Jesus told him, he says, rise up and pick up your bed and go something to that effect. Depending on what Bible you read it. It says, take up your bed and walk, what the new King James says. And he was healed immediately. Now I'll guarantee you that man remembered that moment the rest of his life. That became a memorial to him to that day for what Jesus did in his life. Every time God does something for us, we ought to put it down in our brain and remember it and go back and reminisce on it and tell the devil, look what Jesus done for me. That's on an individual thing. But then when we look at the Bible, God has a program there in the New Testament, uh, uh, much better than the program in the Old Testament. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise from God as much as you can get a promise from God. If you can't believe that, then really it's just playing church, all the rest of it put together. God loves us that much that he gave his son for us. We need to know that scripture. We need to, and the most people in the church do know that scripture. But what's better than that, God saved me one day, and he saved you one day, if you're here and you know the Lord. And he forgave you for everything in your past. And when he forgave you for it, you didn't deserve it, and I didn't deserve it, but because God's such a good God, he forgave us. He forgave us. He loved us enough that he gave his son to die for us. We wouldn't worth somebody dying for us, not anybody. But the God of the universe gave his son to die for you and I.
even before some of us even knew him, before we even wanted to know him. He died for us, every one of us. And one day he comes and he knocks on our heart's door and we give our heart to him. Everybody in here has come to him the same way. We've had to ask him to forgive us for the life we've lived and for, for that what we've inherited, or the sin we've inherited. And we've promised him that we'll live for him the best of our ability and we'll follow him. That ought to be a memorial in every one of us's life when we do that, that we remember that and we mean that. As much as, as much as that man in Bethesda there, uh, that God uh, healed him. He healed us from our sin. But, you know, sometimes it seems, I don't understand it. I, uh, sometimes we forget what God's done for us. But, oh, but we can take it to heart. God meant what he said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It, it really don't matter much other than that, that God loves me. I don't need to know the whole Bible. It's good that I know as much as I can, but I need to get that embedded in my brain and in my spirit and understand that above everything else, God loves me and he loves you. You may fall down tomorrow or next week. You may lose your mind for a little while, but God still loves you and he's not going to change his mind. You can't do enough that he won't love you anymore. You, you just can't, you can't be a person that God won't love because after all, he loved the ungodly. That's why that I got the chance to say he's Lord. See, and so when I think about those things and I begin to put it together, I begin to realize that Jesus said, I'm the door. And he said, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. In other words, you're the house that the Holy Ghost lives in. And just like uh, to the Jews, as they remember that the, the Passover, that they put, the, they have to remember, they put the blood over the door, down each side, and, and to, for the death angel to pass by, he had to see the blood. If not, he was going to come into that house and destroy the firstborn in that house. But you and I, he said that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the house the Holy Ghost lives in. And he says that he'll see the blood. What blood is he talking about? He's talking about the blood of Jesus that's covered your life, the, the doorpost of your life, that, that where things come into, that you'll be covered by the blood. It's what I, I, Liz can't send me to hell, but it's the things I let come into my heart through, through to, from the enemy. I can't make you go to heaven, brother, but you can decide to go there. See, because the things that I let get into my heart are things that keep me from there. The Bible says it's not what we eat or what we drink that's sin, but it's what cometh out of the mouth because what we eat and we drink goeth out the bowels, but what we comes out of our mouth comes out from the depth of our heart. Sin starts here. And so if we have sin in our heart, we've allowed that to come in through the doors of our life. Jesus says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. When he looks down and he sees you and I, and he sees that we're covered by the blood, that we're trying to live on the blood, that we're trying to live like uh, uh, children of God, when we're trying to do what's right, and when we stop doing what's, what's wrong, then God, uh, uh, he sees that. 
Praise the Lord. A day of remembering. We need to remember what God's done for us. He tells us to come out from amongst the world and be a separate people. Why? Because we claim to be Christian. We claim that we've been covered by the blood, that we, we've changed the side that we were on, and, and, and we've made a, ourselves a, into a place that we want to be a part of the family of God. We've yielded to his spirit, and so when we do that, we need to come out from the world and be a total separate people, not act like we used to and not, not carry on like we used to, not hang out the places that we used to, and certainly for me, not let the thing come out of my mouth that I I used to and not put the thing in my mouth I used to put in my mouth. It can get deep. The lame man at the pool of Bethesda, he had to want to be made whole. Or he would have never been made whole. Jesus wouldn't have made him whole. You have to want to be made whole. You have to want to be a person in Christ Jesus. See, our name on the, the church books won't get us to heaven. Paying tithes won't get you to heaven. Being on the worship and praise team won't get you to heaven. Preaching behind the pulpit won't get you to heaven. It's a made-up mind and a life that's lived to give glory to God and to please Him that's going to get us to heaven. A person that accepts Jesus as their Lord and sir, as their Lord and Master, a person that has turned from the old way and turned to a new way, a person that knows there's been a memorial in your life when Jesus came in, that there was a memorial there that we need to remember, we need to never forget it, we need to let people know about it. A lot of people are saved, but we don't want to tell anybody. We don't want to rock the boat. It may surprise you to know, but we live in a time when people will let the, uh, the things around us pile upon us. We want to be politically right. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't offend anybody. But I think it's time that we begin to let people know who we are in Christ Jesus. I don't have a problem being in a crowd and somebody start cursing and carrying on or telling sorry jokes or telling, them, hey, wait a minute, please. If you've got to do that, give me a chance to leave or please don't do it because I don't do that. I was in a meeting one time with some men. And soon as we got to the meeting, they began to pass the bottle around. And they passed it over to me and they reached and grabbed my class and was going to turn it over to me. I put my hand over the top of it. The guy says to me, he says, what's the matter? I'm good enough to work with, but I'm not good enough to drink with. And I told him, no, it wasn't that. I probably like that more than you. But I, I decided one day that I wanted to live for Jesus. I started going to church. He said, that's all right. My priest goes to church. My priest uh, drinks. I said, well, let me put it another way. I said, I love that. But God done so much for me. I thought one day, what can I do to show the Lord how much I love him? And I thought, hmm, I love my drinking more than anything I know of. I'll quit drinking because I love the Lord. I want to show the Lord I can quit something. I'll sacrifice something for the glory of God in my life. That man grabbed, he looked up real quiet for a second or so. He grabbed my life glass and turn it bottom side upwards, looked around over the table, said, watch your mouth, and said, this man's a 
man of God said, we don't, no, he called me a holy man. So this man's a holy man. So, so he don't drink any alcohol, pour the rest of everybody else alcohol, keep him all he can drink. Now I shortened that story because I think I've told part before, but, but that's, that's the way you have to be. You've got to change some things in your life. Uh, if we're going to have a, if we're going to say Jesus is Lord, we need to remember where we, he brought us from. And when he brought us to an altar and ha when he changed our life, we need to, that that life stand out uh, different than the old life. When you, when you have, when you're serving the Lord and people can't tell that you're different than before you got saved then you really, really not showing a, a light to anybody around you. But when we get saved, we change. Bible says when a person's born again, they become a new person in Christ Jesus. Didn't say I'm going to change when I look in the mirror. I look in the mirror and I've been changing without the Lord helping me uh, uh, as far as my walk. Age does some crazy things to you. But people are to see a change, a genuine change in your walk in life. Now, when I look around here, I don't know anybody that's not trying to do that. So please don't think I'm beating you up this morning. I'm not. I'm just trying to, to do what God has laid on my heart to do. I'm trying to tell you how I see it and feel it this morning. There is a memorial that we can set up in all of us' lives, and every one of them is a little bit different. When... Sister Tammy came to the Lord. She came at a different time than I did. And that was a personal thing with her and the Lord. Just as much it was a personal thing between the man that was crippled for 38 years. At Bethesda it was 38 years, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, when he came to me, he came to me a whole different time in a different way. And he delivered me from a whole different set of things that he delivered her from. And for every one of you in here probably could say about the same thing. Maybe some of them were close to like, but it was different with each one of us. And so we each have something special in our life that we can look back on how God delivered me from this. And, and most of us is not just one thing, but the greatest thing that he delivered me from was from myself and sin. John three sixteen. I don't think anybody in here is perfect yet, but we're working on it, right? Amen. Amen. God's good. This is Memorial, the service for tomorrow, and I just wanted to share that with you. I've enjoyed service this morning. I've enjoyed being with you. I, I'm glad that, that God woke us up in our right mind this morning. I want the praise and worship team to come back up here. I'm going to stop. I, I feel like I can go someplace and go someplace. It's good to remember. Brother Randall, it's good to remember that God hasn't forgot about us. That he sets us free. That he knows our hurts. He knows our pain. He knows our shortcomings. And he continuously reminds us of those things in our life. And so we just need to listen to him and ask him to help us, and we'll get past those places in life.